All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom and welcome to the first week of the rest of your life. This is the post-Tishrei show. Uh, so we did the Tishrei holidays. We talked about it last week. And now we're on to the beginning of the rest of our lives. And I really hope that you've taken this week to start the rest of your life. I myself actually uh, started the rest of my life, but then I caught Malka's cold. Uh, and this is not a COVID. It's, it's the other thing, once known as the common cold. Not so bad, but I've been taking all the C and the and the quercetin. What is quercetin anyway? I don't know. Uh, and zinc. And my friend tells me I need elemental zinc. And, of course, uh, Advil cold and sinus and all that kind of stuff. And tea and Russian, uh, uh, Russian cures. Uh, chiefly, of course, good raspberry jam with the pieces of raspberry. That's key. But I'm doing great and I'm feeling really good. I'm in a good mood. Um, just not 100% yet. Uh, but I got a chance to look at the Torah portion that I love so much, Parshat Noach. And uh, this is the Torah portion of the Ark of the Covenant. No, not the Ark of the Covenant. The other Ark, the Ark of uh, Noach. There are similarities there uh, because it carries with, those two Arks carry within them the knowledge. And think a little bit about the Arks that we know in the Torah, which is uh, the Ark that carries Joseph's bones and his message of coming back to the land of Israel, the Ark of the Covenant, which carries the pieces of the Torah and, and the Ten Commandments, and the um, uh, Ark of, of Noah, which has the data of all the knowledge of humanity and the animals. And basically, it's a data-carrying vessel. And years ago, when I was a kid, uh, I used to walk uh, long distances um, to shul when I was living in Wayne, New Jersey. And I remember I must have been like maybe 11 or 12, and I was thinking about the Torah portion of Noah, and a vision came to me, and that vision was very much like um, uh, a far side. Remember the far side cartoons? And I basically saw like a far side type of scientist inside this ark, and in, in far side kind of cartoon colors, not colors, the black and white, you know, uh, pencil drawings. And I saw in my mind's eye how Noah, instead of animals on board, had all of these um, tubes, these beakers. And the beakers contained with them the DNA or the seed uh, of all the animals. And I saw in my mind's eye that really the ark was this lab and it carried all the knowledge and information of the animals. Not the animals themselves, but the animals were distilled into their DNA, their blueprint, their seed, however you want to envision that. And that, that, that Noah and his family were really great, uh, 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 great knowers of animal husbandry and basically uh, were the IVF scientists um, who were able to carry the seed of the knowledge, uh, the data of all of the living things. Now, interesting, I, I later found that in Hasidut, basically they say something similar, which is that the animals were reduced to the level of machshava, to the level of thought, reduced or uploaded, or however you want to see it, um, and so I was like, oh, yes, there, there's that idea again. And, and, and then 
just the image of the ark came to me is just a seed. Really, what is a seed? But a storehouse of data and information ready to turn into something biological, you know, when it hits the water and hits the nutrients. But in the meantime, being this very self-contained, seed-like machine craft that was on top of the world and on top of the waters. And while the world was destroyed, it was able to carry the knowledge in order to, in order to start the world over again, and this time hopefully with a healthier uh, morality. And the, the end of the, the Torah portion of Bereshit uh, ends with uh, you know, God being disappointed in that he created the world. He, he's depressed, or, or it really says that God kind of was, was despondent, sad. And these, of course, are anthropomorphisms, which means that God, it, the Torah is talking about God in human language. But still, though, it, it, it kind of says it like God was, let's put it in simple terms, God was disappointed in mankind. He saw that, it had, that mankind developed kind of an evil heart, and things weren't right with the world, and God was like, okay, I'm going to hit the, the refresh button, hit the restart button, and maybe God had even done that before, uh, and that there were many trials about creating this thing called the world. And yet, when God was about to hit that restart button, there's a verse, the very last verse in the book, in the Torah portion of Bereshit, which is, which is this pinnacle which is that, yes, God created the world, but now he's depressed about the world, and now he's going to flush the world away. And before he does, the verse is, V'noach matzachen be'enei Hashem. Noach found favor in the eyes of God. And that verse is a hopeful verse. That verse is, is there to tell you there was a spark. There was something there that could redeem. And Noah is the first Mashiach. He is a Messiah. He is the Messiah because the world was going to be, was utterly destroyed, but there was one thing that would, would, would save that remnant and restart the world. He was able to save the world or save the knowledge information of the world and restart it. And so giving God hope the Zohar says that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, is the reincarnation of Noah. And that the big difference is, uh, first thing, what are the similarities? Both had 40 days and 40 nights. He, he had rain. He was on Sinai, and there was a few 40 days and 40 nights there. Uh, and both were on a little craft. Both were a little seedling on the water. So too, uh, like Noah, Moses was in his ark, and he contained within him the messianic future of the world. Except this time, uh, when, when God told Noah that he, that he was going to destroy the world, Noah seemingly ex- accepted it and was able to grasp that the world was going to be destroyed and he was going to save the world uh, through being the one saved person. Moses, when he, was said, when he was told, you know, the Jewish people will be destroyed and I'll, make the real, I'll remake the world, the Jewish world from you, Moses says, no thanks, erase me. Erase me. I, I will be happy to be erased as opposed to them, the Jewish people. That is not what Noah said about the world. Noah did not say, erase me and let the world be alive. The world was erased. And Noah saved it through personal salvation. 
But Moses said, no, I will do everything for national salvation, and I'm willing to be erased. So that's a, that's a, that's a big distinction uh, between Noah and Moses, but maybe Moses is a tikkun, a fixing, or a or final kind of version or iteration uh, of Noah. So I love the, the vision of, of, of this ark as the seed of information. And there's so much that we could, we could think about. There's so many parables uh, about the ark that we could all use. And one, one parable about the ark is that the Jewish people are the ark. Through vicissitudes, through the rise and fall of empires, is the seed, this messianic seed, this informational seed, that is kind of impervious to the slings and, out, uh, and arrows of outrageous fortune, and they make it through time, uh, through this, through this, uh, with a promise, uh, is the seed through time. That's one way. Uh, another thing that I'm very close to, which is very much like the Ark, is the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs itself. That tomb is two by two. That tomb has survived intact. Uh, throughout, you know, the rise and fall of empires, and it's still there. And there it is, waiting to kind of uh, uh, spring forth its knowledge uh, of the way of the forefathers and mothers. That's another, you know, thought. And each one of us individually, in many ways, carries so much DNA, so much knowledge, so much spiritual knowledge that we don't even, uh, we ourselves are not tapped into. But in many ways, we go through life uh, um, like uh, an ark, and I guess the last uh, uh, metaphor, I think, is, is that the ark for the Jewish people is like the exile. We're in exile. We were in exile for 2,000 years. We carried with us all of the knowledge of the Torah. And uh, again, just to, the ark of the covenant, so to the ark of Noah, so to the ark of the galut. And now we are back in the good land, and we are called to uh, come out of the ark and restart the world uh, in a third temple vision um, after being kind of locked away in that ark for 2,000 years. Now, uh, Dr. Joshua Berman is a professor at Bar Ilan, and he uh, has done a lot of work on Parshat Noach, and I've heard him speak about it a few times. And every time I'm just blown away. One of the things that he has said is that Parshat Noach is extremely similar to the Gilgamesh narrative uh, in the ancient Near East. And uh, the Gilgamesh narrative is almost like one-to-one. There's like so many, there's like, uh, uh, some, the, the scholars have found 17 points of similarity in the narrative between the Gilgamesh narrative and the Torah's flood narrative. And, and Berman, Dr. Berman, Dr. Rabbi Berman, uh, amazingly points out that the end is very different. For the Gilgamesh narrative, the reason that God created the world, excuse me, the reason that the gods destroyed the world was because they couldn't sleep with all the noise that mankind was ma- making. And they destroyed the world because they couldn't sleep. And then finally they, they felt bad about it. And in the end, they were like, okay, we'll let mankind live, but we'll find all kinds of ways to limit his, his fertility, uh, including, you know, the temple women and all kinds of stuff like that, all kinds of licentiousness. Uh, but we will figure out a way to limit mankind so he doesn't, you know, he so, so he doesn't really over over fulfill this world and therefore continue to bother our sleep. And and uh, the the Torah version is that man was immoral 
in that God had to wipe out the world, but then kind of made a new covenant with mankind. And the first thing that God said to Noah when he came out of the ark is, be fruitful, multiply. I believe in you. Go fill the world. I, I, it's a resounding uh, uh, message of, of faith and, and of, of, of humanities uh, and, and animals and, and all the creatures and all the, uh, the, the trees and, and, and the green things to fill the world. Uh, and it's exact opposite of the message of Gilgamesh, um, which is like, we'll figure out a way to limit you. Um, Dr. Berman, Dr. Rabbi Berman also pointed out the incredible chiastic structure uh, where really the verses uh, of the Noah story, number 77, there's 77 verses, and basically the first verse mir- uh, mirrors the last verse, the second verse mirrors the second to last verse, almost perfectly, and the, the central verse of it all, the, the one that it all pivots on, is the 39th verse, and that 39th verse within all that is that God remembered Noah. Let's find that verse and we'll read it together. Everything was being destroyed. And finally, Elohim et Noach. God remembered Noach and all the animals and all the mammals, the large animals, which is with him in the ark. And he passed a wind on the earth and the, the water started coming down. This is the central verse uh, of, of this Torah portion where God remembers Noah and re- remembers that covenant and will indeed uh, kind of remember it for the future as well, where God will not allow the world to be destroyed again. Another very important uh, verse related to mem- remembering Noah is actually chapter 9, uh, verse 15. And I will remember, God says, I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you, me and mankind. And all living things. All the flesh. There shall not be any more waters for uh, the deluge. To destroy all the flesh. And I looked it up. And immediately when I saw, I said to myself, there is one other verse in the whole Torah that I can remember that has that. And I wanted to check if I was right. And indeed, there's no other place in the whole Torah that it says, Except for one more verse, and that verse is, "Vezacharti et briti Yaakov, ve'af et briti Yitzchak, ve'af et briti Avraham." I will remember my covenant with Jacob, I'll, with also with Isaac. I will remember my my covenant with Abraham. Uh, I shall remember v'ha'aretz eskor, and and also I shall remember the land. So those uh, are the verses, uh, the two verses. I will remember my covenant with humanity, and I also might remember my covenant with Abraham. And there's always that, that relationship between the creation of the world or recreation of the world as in the Noah story and uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, and again, that also connects the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs as a kind of arc, of the arc that is impervious. That's, that's part of, the, that's part of the, the arc's message. There's a certain imperviousness okay? Imperviousnitude. Uh, of uh, of the Jewish story of the Ark of the Torah. By the way, where is the Ark of the Covenant? Well, it's probably under the Temple Mount, and and it is impervious. There's something about it. It's not visible, uh, and it's not with us. But it's also it's there, and it's impervious. Notice the menorah can be taken away. 
but they did not show on the Arch of Titus the Ark of the Covenant. No, that was hidden. That is somewhere away. Nobody can touch that. And that is impervious uh, to these things. Um, one more point about, about Parshat Noach, which is right at the beginning. And this is, this is um, incredibly, incredibly important to me uh, on the day-to-day, to these days especially. The verse is right towards the beginning. It's chapter uh, 6, verse 13. Vayomer Elohim Noach. God says to Noach, Ketz kol basar balefanai. The end of all flesh, all flesh has come before me. Ki ha'aretz chamas. Because the world is filled with chamas. Now chamas can mean, it can mean that just violence. It could mean theft. Uh, but one way or another, it kind of means uh, a kind of um, violent crime of some sort, including taking something that's not yours. Uh, our sages also point out that Hamas could also mean licentiousness, uh, sexual immorality. It, it's, it's, it's rape, it's murder, it's, it's theft. It's, it's all those things that really mean that, that man puts a hand against a fellow uh, with, with, with sociopath lack of caring for the other. And, and just a few verses before that, it says, Hamas. The land was filled with Hamas. And here, uh, one of my favorite exegetes, commentators, the Balaturim, explains that uh, there's only one more verse in the whole Torah that sounds a little bit like that, when it says, otam. That the land was filled, the land was filled with the Jewish people. And this is talking about when the Jewish people were in Egypt and they were in, uh, not exactly in Egypt, they were in, in Goshen and they were very successful. And, and they were, uh, Goshen is, is, you know, close to Sinai, not so very far away from Gaza. And you'll see what I mean in a second, which is, um, the Baal Turim says, V'temaleha aretz otam or V'temaleha aretz Hamas. There's really two options. Either the land is filled, even underground, and he goes and he, and he tells the story. He says, he, says, um, he says that in Egypt, when the Jewish people were being born, they were being born six at a time. And, and the Jewish mothers had to hide away their children from the Egyptian authorities, so they, were, so they would bury them in the ground. Bury them in the ground. And the ground, the earth, would raise them up and it would feed them milk and honey. And they would grow, and 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 then they would kind of pop out like cabbage patch kids, um, as opposed to v'temaleha aretz Hamas, that the land itself was filled with Hamas. Then he gives a story the Balaturim that goes like this, which is somebody would lend a friend, somebody would say to a friend, "Please hold this for me, my wallet," and he would, along with his wallet, he would also say, "And and hold this perf- perfume for me," and and the next door neighbor would put it downstairs in his basement, all the way in the tunnels, and he would hide his wallet and his you know perfume, and then the guy, the next door neighbor who who asked to for, for the stuff to be protected, would follow the scent and would go steal. Not only his own wallet would he take it back, but also the hidden stuff that the next door neighbor would would, would hide. What's the point of that story? Well, well, he was saying it's either either the land was filled with them, or it was Hamas. The land was filled with Hamas. Now, yours truly, along with my friends, with Arya Bramwitz, with with Malka Fleischer, and many others, we were in Gush Katif, 
the Jewish communities of Gaza. And we saw, in 2005, we saw how the land was filled with the Jewish people. We saw the beauty of the Jewish people raising their crops and their flowers and their children in this land. We saw the intense success and blessing that these communities had in the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip has a bad name. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's a beautiful, unbelievable beaches and an excellent fertile land. And that's what it was, was fertile land. Interestingly, the Arabs used to call it cursed land, as it's well known that Gaza wouldn't grow anything for uh, the Arabs until the Jews kind of showed up there and came back to their land. That was fulfillment of the verse, V'temaleh ha'aretz otam. The land was filled with the Jewish people, and the land raised the Jewish people, and the crops grew, and out of the land came all this blessing. As opposed to when the Jewish people are kicked out from their land, then what happens? V'temaleh ha'aretz Hamas. The land was filled with Hamas. And not only was it filled with Hamas, the organization, but even just like these medrashim that I just told you, these stories, the land itself, underneath the land, was filled with these tunnels, these tunnels of death, these tunnels of the opposite of fertility, of life-giving energy. The land itself was so corrupted that it was filled with the Hamas, not only on top of the land, but underneath the land. These are these terror tunnels, these death tunnels. So, so that is, to me, the, this medrash the, and this explanation by the Baal Tumor of these two terms, V'temaleha Aretz Otam, land was filled with them, or V'temaleha Aretz Hamas, and land was filled with Hamas, this is the essence of our fight here today. It's either that we allow Hamas to take over this land and to fill it with death inside of it, or we hold on to this land and we fill it with children and with fertility and with, and with wheat and with barley and with cucumbers and the things that grow in, and flowers that grow in Gush Katif. And, and I must tell you, and, and, and here again I'm going to wax just for a second realistic, shall we say. And I'm seeing so many negative markers these days. I saw yet another program on the news about women being abused by Arabs in the streets. Um, in the city of Beersheba, uh, Arab takeover of Beersheba with, with Hamas, violent crime, abuse, grabbing, rape, etc., uh, in the streets of Beersheba. And that is because we refuse, as a Jewish state, to push back on this, uh, on this phenomenon. Uh, we're allowing it to happen. And I see on social media, I started following something called Eye on Palestine. And I see how many people believe the incredible lies against the Jewish people. The blood libel lives and lives stronger than ever. Social media is the vehicle for the blood libel like never before. And people want to buy it. Remember that anti-Semitism is something that like, you know, in many cases you could teach anti-Semitism, but it's something you could definitely corrupt a, a child, but it's, and you could definitely teach them hate. Uh, but a lot of times people are looking for a reason to hate and social media gives them that reason. And then there was the uh, episode with Vice President Harris, who was asked by a student, you know, how long shall we, you know, give money to Israel that's occupying and committing genocide and in the meantime, the vice president was nodding, yes, 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 and finally said, well, I'm glad that you spoke your truth. 
later on, uh, uh, the vice president reached out solely to Jewish organizations and told them how, the, how that she did not mean that. Of course, she didn't make a public statement, nor did she make a video uh, disaffirming uh, that, 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 that's those statements. And so you have the holder of the second highest office in the land, as my friend Jake said to me, uh, second highest office in the land, um, um, koshering and, 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 and signaling the truth of the Israel genocide doctrine. Now, people don't agree with me on this, and I, and I you know, you know, really don't have to. I personally think it was completely scripted. I think it was a completely prepared uh, moment that, 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 that she knew that student was going to ask her that question, and she didn't, uh, you know, she nodded and said, that's your truth, and that was a great way for her to signal to everybody what she believed uh, without her actually saying it, so you don't run afoul of the Israel lobby, etc., uh, but maybe I'm wrong, and, and other people, my, my good friends, don't think I'm right on this. But my sense, I, I, am, I am generally a believer. I am not a believer that people in those positions are dumb. I'm, I'm actually a believer that those people, I believe much more, I pretend to believe much more in sinister uh, motives than just ineptitude. That's, that's just me, but I might be wrong. It doesn't really matter in any case, because one way or the other, in both cases, the result is exactly the same, which is the jihad got a wink, and a nod uh, from the vice president of the United States, who, who is, you know, the president-in-waiting, uh, in any case. Uh, and so uh, there's that. And then I see the uh, uh, unchecked growth of the Arab population uh, in our land. Uh, and my good friend Yara Mettinger has done a lot of studies proving that the, that the uh, numbers of the Palestinians are much less than they report. And you know what I've started thinking? I've started thinking that he did a disservice. In his services, that, that the, the good news about his, his thinking is, is that it shows that we shouldn't cut away our land because there's so many less Palestinians that, than were claimed. But the disservice is that we don't understand the, the, the size of the problem, which is today we have five or six, and the Palestinians will claim seven million Arabs west of the Jordan River. You know, it's probably closer to five. But still, it's five million if you count the so-called West Bank, Judea, and Samaria, you count little Israel, and then you count Gaza, and don't discount Gaza because that is the zeitgeist of this land, the people that are here. And so the Jewish state has in it uh, a, a huge amount of, of Arabs, and not a few of them are part of the uh, jihadist milieu. Now, jihadism, people get confused about jihadism, and I want to explain this. There's nationalist jihad, and then there's religious jihad. They're two sides of the same coin. And I'll give an example of that, which is all too, all too readily understood, which is look at, look at people like myself. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm certainly not a jihadist, but in terms of Jewish nationalism, one side is Jewish nationalism, one side of the coin, and the other side is a religious belief, right? And, and bo- they, they feed one another. So don't tell me that Fatah is better than, than Hamas. It's really the same coin. One is a, you know, let's call it secular nationalist jihad, and the other one is a religious jihad, but it's the same, it's the same type of thing. It's the same coin, two sides of the same coin. That's an excellent expression because it's the same coin. And so uh, I see, you know, a tremendous growth of, of Hamas and Hamas-like thinking in our land. And did I mention that the Muslim Brotherhood their political party is part of not only the, 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 the state of Israel's Knesset, which bad enough already, they're part of the ruling coalition, for God's sakes. 
So when I think about all this stuff, I must tell you uh, that I, I, I definitely want to get a little bit like down. And then I realize, and, and I was even told by a friend of mine uh, who said to me, listen, we've got to right now build and do and not, you know, become despondent and rather become, uh, be positive and strong about moving things forward. Uh, and, and something, when he, when he said that to me, I was like, I was said to myself, Yishai Fleischer, you are not here in this world to sow a doubt and, 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 and fear and disbelief. You are here to channel positivity and strength. Uh, but even I sometimes need that chizuk, especially in a time where I see, uh, d- did I also tell you that like, that like since I was a child, uh, our country has shrunken tremendously. Uh, it, we we have been ethnically cleansed from the get go. We were we were stopped from 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 uh, moving into uh, the 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 mountains of Moab. In other words, Jordan. So we were already cut out from there. Then we were ethnically cleansed from the Sinai. Then from the Gaza Strip. Then from South Lebanon. Before that, from Judea and Samaria, we have shrunken tremendously in my in my in my lifetime. And so altogether, I, I felt a, a, I felt a, a despondency, a depression, a, a sadness, a, a, a worry. Uh, and I realized that it is now the time to push forward. And I am so proud to be involved with people who are settling the land in Judea and Samaria, uh, teaching Judaism in the rest of the land. And that's what we have to do right now. We have to double and redouble and, and triple our strength uh, to fight and, and to fulfill this prophecy of either V'temaleha Aretz Hamas or V'temaleha Aretz Otam. And the fact that our state is somewhat post-Zionistic, post-Jewish, post-Israel, post-Bible, and it is, uh, uh, you know, it is ruled by some kind of, let's call it globalist, Hellenist elite, and doesn't understand that our state apparatus should be used to m- cleanse this land from Hamas and to fulfill uh, fulfill Haaretz Otam, that's very sad. But we know the truth, and we have a true Torah, and God did not bring us back here to fail. I feel like I'm on the couch with myself, like being a doctor for myself here uh, of psychology, giving myself a pep talk. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a pep talk. That's what the Torah is there. It is, uh, it is there to, to give us a pep talk when the chips are down. Um, and to not be afraid to understand that the ark... And, 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 and let, me, let me add this one last point here, which is some people think that, therefore, this is proof that the ark has not landed. Noah's ark has not landed. We should keep being in galut. We should keep being in exile uh, and, and get back on that ark and put ourselves in a small place and, and, and become uh, you know, disanimated or, or uh, inanimate. Okay? I sometimes make up words. Uh, no, this is a time of re animation, re-embodiment, rebirth, and we are going to have to fight. Yes, we're going to have to fight, and maybe we're going to have to be Maccabees uh, of our time. Um, I want to thank you so much for being with me, my good friends, and I hope you uh, um, you know, are enjoying my, my, my monologues. We'll start bringing back everybody. We'll reanimate. We'll bring back uh, all of our friends, Rabbi Mike Foyer and Malka Fleischer and all that, but I, I had some stuff that I wanted to get off my chest and I wanted to talk with you direct. I want to thank the good folks that make this show possible. If it's Yochevet Seidman, Moshe Herman, uh, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, uh, and Lou, when we go live, uh, folks that help produce the show and help make it happen and get it out to you wherever you are. I want to thank you so much for that. And I want to thank uh, the sponsors of our show, JewishPress.com. They do a great job at getting our show out every single week uh, and also do a great job at putting out excellent news. 
Uh, Jewish Press has a great email that is one of my favorite emails in terms of news. Uh, that's called the Jewish Express, so check that out. The Jewish community of Hebron. Hebron is the Ark of the, the Ark of Noah in terms of the forefathers and mothers, two by two, and nothing shall breach that that incredible strength of this building uh, and this place and this community that's that 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 surrounds and is the Noah for uh, the protection uh, of the passengers, which is the forefathers and mothers. And please support us and strengthen us through hebronfund.org, hebronfund.org. We have spaces left for an incredible flight, invitation that we have for you to come to Parshat Chaye Sarah. Do not miss it if you can fly into Israel, if you're outside of the land, or if you're here in the land of Israel, please come to Parshat Chaye Sarah. Uh, it'll be incredible for you. Uh, at in Hebron, it's going to be just a masterpiece. Uh, it's going to be a, 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 a something for a lifetime. Parshat Chayesarad. That's HebronFund.org. Check that out. Uh, and I want to uh, remind you about our wonderful sponsor, which is Prohibition Pickle. Prohibition Pickle make great uh, uh, Shabbos uh, snacks from salami to pickles to herring to hot sauces, and and nothing goes down with your whiskey or for me vodka. Uh, better and makes your Shabbat an awesome spiritual experience through uh, the, the delights of the Sabbath. Check them out on Facebook, Prohibition Pickle, and on Instagram. And of course, you could send a gift package to any one of your friends, students, uh, children, broadcasters, people that you love here in the land of Israel. Please do it through Prohibition Pickle. It makes all the difference in the world. Of course, yishaifleischer.com. Uh, we want to we, we continue to broadcast to you and do all the good stuff that we're doing, including helping Jewish communities uh, in Judea and Samaria. Check out our webpage. Our donate page is there for you. Taking all manners of donations makes all the difference in the world. So please check out yishaifleischer.com. Uh, and finally, uh, second to finally, the Land of Israel Network, host of this show and many other great programs here, uh, including The Fellowship on Sundays with uh, Ari and Jeremy, Tehillah and others. The Fellowship, it's an incredible, it's an incredible uh, 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 proposition of, of knowledge and spirituality on Sundays for you to replace any other kind of Sunday worship that you may have. It's awesome stuff. Uh, and finally, of course, I want to thank God Almighty uh, for giving us uh, this life and this earth, this great earth itself. Isn't this great earth itself uh, a Noah's Ark in the universe? Think about that, right? The universe, this, this thing floats through the universe, this beacon of life, and the universe is, is lifeless uh, and is a tohu vavohu virtually uh, and a chaos. And on this little earth is, um, is our ark. And so we have to protect it, and we have to love it, and we have to be so grateful for it. And thank God for the opportunity to think about these issues and to live these issues in our time. Thank you, Hashem, so much. Thank you, friends, wherever you are. Lots of love, lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. God bless you, and shalom.